tonight we're going to continue on this journey that this focus pursuing God's vision. It's important that we don't just go through life wandering haphazardly along and all of us are on a journey. Many of us have come uh, a long way. We found out what didn't work. Anybody been there before? <laughs> Sometimes you got to discover what doesn't work and you go, oh, kind of like Thomas Edison with the light bulb. It, 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 it wasn't that he took him that many times. He just found that many ways that didn't work. <laughs> and then when he found the one, we're thankful for that tonight especially. And so we celebrate this journey that we're on and, and staying focused. And so it's not just focused on vision, but on God's vision. Because many times we can put our own thoughts and ideas in it and call it God. We're like, hey, God, why didn't you bless that? He's like, who? Where, where are you talking about? And so we try to presume sometimes upon God. And so it's important we focus on what he says. And so we've narrowed down God's vision to four simple things. Now, they play out extensively in many ways. But as we've seen all through Scripture, um, it, it's basically lost, saved, which is no God. People are still hungry to know God. They don't want to know about God or what we think about God. They want to know God. Like our, the greatest joy I have is bringing people into a personal relationship with Him. Like the way that's going to play out in their life and the way it's, it's not the same it's going to play out in my life. It's the same Jesus, but what he has for them and where he's going to take them and what he's going to do completely, um, there's no telling what all he'll do. And so knowing God is always our first number one priority. Not know about him, but to know him, to connect with him. And that's what we looked this morning, John 5, 24. Jesus says this, I tell you for certain that any that everyone, not anyone, but everyone who hears my message and has faith in the one who has sent me, has eternal life. Not as going to, like right now we get to experience eternal life this side. Like I'm, I experienced it 33 years ago. I started on my journey to eternal life with the Lord. We have eternal life, but um, without the Lord, it's not going to be life. It's going to be eternal death. And so, and that's what it says right here. And we'll never be condemned. It's not going to happen. Can't. God said, you trust me, you lock into what I say, you lock into who I am, you you connect with me, and I will make sure and settle that. And it said, they've already gone from death to life. So we were living in death, we accept Christ, and we we now get to know God in that very special, powerful, eternal way. Like, he's not looking, this is what people sometimes think, and they, I don't know where it comes from, but I do partially is they almost feel like God's looking for a reason to kick them out. Kick them off the team. Like, you messed up, gone, I'm, I'm done. Uh-uh, you sinned, forget it. You are no longer welcomed on the team. And I don't, and, and it's not like Jesus' death took care of one sin, it took care of all of them. The ones of my past, present, and future. And so Jesus said, I, I want you to, to have my life. And so that's what we get. The second part of our vision that we looked at this morning uh, that was last week we looked at knowing God, just going through it. The second part is finding freedom. And the key to that is everybody has issues. And when we look at this thing of finding freedom, um, it really has a lot to do with our heart. You know, the number one cause of death in the world physically is our is heart. It's heart disease. It's heart. 
the number one cause of death among Christians, or the one that, that chokes the life out of us, is it's the heart. It's what's inside. It's these issues that come up. Matter of fact, this is what uh, the wisest man wrote in Proverbs. Um, Solomon wrote this, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. He said, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within where? Keep the word in here. Keep it within your heart. Why? Verse 22 says, For they are life. The word of it's life to me. It's in my heart. I keep it in there. That's where life happens. Life to those who find them and help to a man's body. So it, it's not just a, a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing. It, it affects the inside and the outside. And then he makes this statement. Above all else. Like, like there's a lot of things we can do. Like we can do a lot of good things. But Solomon said above everything else. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, now he's not talking about building chambers around. He's not talking about building brick wall and trying to do that and say, I'm not letting anybody in. He literally is saying, keep a guard over. Watch what you let in and watch what comes out. Watch the inside, what what, what happens, because that's where it's at. And that's where fact, uh, we're affected at. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel Many of us are familiar with this scripture in 16.7. Samuel went to anoint a king. And Samuel was looking, and the very first son of Jesse that came to him was Eliab. And Samuel had said in his heart, man, he looks good. <laughs> he was tall in stature. And in his natural, he goes, he just looks kingly. He looks like a king. And so in his own understanding and in his own thought process, he thought, there's the king. But God spoke to him in that moment and said, hold on, wait a second, Samuel. Wait, you, you don't see as I see. That's what it says, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. Or his, and I love this particular part, or his height. <laughs> it's scriptural. It's not that funny, but <laughs> do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him as king. He didn't reject him. He just rejected him. That's not the plan I have for you. And many of us, many of us have tried things and thought, I just, I like the way something looks or I like the way somebody does a certain thing and they try to do it. It's like you were never intended to, to be that, the same way David found out later when he tried to put on Saul's armor. It's like, you, you can't fight like that. That is not, you were not made to wear that. And so the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, that's why it's so important to, to do this, to, to look at, to guard this. And so tonight, um, I'm I'm pulling some of this from my own personal life and some of this from a, 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 a course that we're offering here at the church called a freedom. It's the, it's a, it's a, a freedom small group where we walk people through this thing called freedom because God intended 
for us to live free. Not just to experience it, but to live in it. And so in here, we come through four, just like usually what happens with the heart. Now, I've never experienced that, praise the Lord. But I've been there where many people have had to have what they call a heart catheterization where they have to go through an artery and go up and they go in and take pictures and see everything in there and see how it is. And because the heart has so much stuff around it, you got veins and artery and all the muscle and all, they have to check and see if there's any blockages. And if there's any blockages, many times they'll have to stop right there and say, hey, we, they either have to do a, a put a stent in or they'll have to do a bypass and go completely around and and so it's something that's got to free up so the heart can actually function the way God intended it. It's the same thing in, in our lives. Our, our spiritual heart's the same thing. There can be blockages in our heart that will keep us, that will shut us down from being able to receive all that God has for us. And so if we're not careful, what happens is we'll let these things stay there and they continue to block and we continue, we're moving along and we may be doing activity and it looks good, but really, there's not life coming out. It's, it's just stuff happening. But really, there's things in here that are not um, operating the way God had designed them. And so the, one of the number one blockages, and it only stands to reason, the number one is selfishness. Selfishness is the number one that... that and when we say selfishness, it's not just simply, you know, I want what I want. It's not simply saying... Hey, you know, I I don't want to share with anybody. It really is like I want everything my way. Like I I don't share the remote control. That is my remote control. (laughs) That does not get distributed. It stays right here. Um, I don't share my ice cream. I like mine and it needs to be this kind. And I shouldn't say that during fasting. (laughs) But it it comes to it. And really more, I would say this. From my own observation in my own life, many times it's a lot more among men than uh, women. Not that women can't be selfish, but because of motherhood and other things, they learn very quickly what it is to be selfless. And they give of themselves. And many times us men, if we're not careful, we almost, um, like we're on the throne. And it's like, here, <laughs> we got people. And so we we try to build things around what we like, and we can, uh, if we're not careful, um, we can uh, we can destroy ourselves and people around us be- just by self. Like I I like what I like, and I'm gonna make sure that I get my way, no matter what it is, when it comes to whether it's with money, whether it's with uh, influence, whatever it is. And so that's the one of the blockages, and it, we've got to be careful with that. In James. Chapter 3, the brother of Jesus, you talk about somebody that had to overcome selfishness. Like, you know how you have sibling rivalries? Like, you have people in your family like, oh, anybody ever thought that their mom or dad loved their brother and sister more than they loved you? Like, yeah, they, they, they you know. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I am my daddy's favorite, just so you know that. But so are you. In his, in his kingdom, he only has favorites. And so... uh but in, in a family, many times we can, we can, uh, say, oh, well, they, you love them more than me, and you, you love them more than me, and it happens with children and grandchildren. And so what we always tend to do, we can, we can, um, 
we can harbor bitterness because of it. Because we feel like somehow um, things in my heart that, you know, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting my way. And you don't spend any time with me. And you do this. And you gave them this. And there's some people that will keep a great record of what somebody received and somebody didn't. It's almost to the to the penny. Like, oh, you, well, you gave them this. Like, I did? I don't remember that. I may have. But so we got to be careful. And this is what James, Jesus' brother, who who had to come to the place where he recognized my oldest brother is the Son of God. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Messiah. Talk about a sibling. There's no more sibling rivalry at that point. Okay, Lord, you are Lord. Jesus, I knew there was something different about him growing up. He was. He did always do it, right? He did always do what he was supposed to. So it says this, James in 3, 14 through 16, he says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish, and here it is, selfish ambition. Like I want what I want and I like what I want. I don't care what you like or want. Selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it and deny the truth. In other words, don't hold back and and, and don't try to use deception to say, well, I just like this because I like what I like. It's a thing where we don't want to boast about, hey, I get my own way. There's some people do that. Verse 15 goes on to say, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and... Hold it. What's that word? It's demonic. That's the very thing that took Satan out of heaven. He wanted it his way. He wanted to garner all the worship to himself. It was all about self. And he said, that's that's not what we want. Our self is ambitious. Look what it says again. It goes on to say it again in verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find what? Disorder in every evil practice. In other words, it almost it can come out almost as witchcraft. Like you want to use, uh, you'll, you'll do any means, deception, any way you can to get your way and... Uh, and James said, hey, we, 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 that's, that's not what we're after. I know nobody here wants that. But many times, selfishness plays out in many different ways. It, it comes to play. I'll say this, that in my life, in my life, you know, I made a commitment to the Lord over 33 years ago. And I mean, I really gave it. I said, Lord, it's all yours. But since that time, I've learned there's some areas that I thought I had given up. There's area where I thought I had that completely done. And I come to find out until you get challenged or somebody asks you to do something or, or you get uh, you get challenged on going or helping somebody or doing something uh, that's not in your own desire to do, you get to find out what your ambitions really are. What are you trying to do? And so our goal is complete. Surrender to the Lord. And that's what we have to go. We have to go from selfishness to surrender. And usually that's a process. And so if somebody is still being selfish, this is where we don't get mad and start throwing rocks at them, kick them out of the, kick them off the team. We go, Oh, you're still in that process. And I love it this way. One of my mentors in the faith, Billy Godwin, he used to tell me God has a ways and means committee. Like he has a way of getting a hold of you and there's a means in which to do it. And I just I just determined that I just want to humble myself before him instead of making him humble me. 
It's much better if we'll just go ahead. Okay, you're right. You are Lord. I surrender it all to you. And so we have to go to surrender. The second blockage that if we're not careful can uh, can crop up in our life is um, in our heart is bitterness. We go, first of all, it's selfishness. I want what I want. I like what I want. The second thing is bitterness. And that usually comes because of what somebody's done to us or somebody said to us. And so because of that, we can get very offended. We can have things where where it's almost like an arrow got stuck in our heart. And you know if it's still there, if even today you can still recite everything word for word as it happened, when it happened, it usually comes in uh, from those who are closest to us, believe it or not. Like it can come um, maybe in... Um, in a relationship, a close relationship, it can come between husband and wife. It can come between a parent and their child. Um, it can come in many different forms. And what happens is if we're not careful, it sticks. And then it stays there. And then we operate out of that offense. And then we want to, to begin to almost shy away and stay away. And no, I'm not letting any, no, no, nobody. And of course, we know that never helps. All it does is make us more bitter. Um, Matthew 17, 1, Jesus talking to his disciples, he said to them, it, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, he says, in, it's going to happen. It, it's not like, don't be surprised when it comes. It's going to happen. People are going to say things either out of selfish ambition, they're going to say things out of own, out of their own hurt, and uh, he said, it's going to happen. He, he went on to say, we're not going to look there, but he went on to say, but woe to the one that it does come through. But he, it's saying that it's going to happen. So we know that's going to happen. And in Solomon, he said this in Proverbs eighteen nineteen. He put it this way, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. In other words, when somebody offends you and when it's, and it hits deep, and this isn't like what we talked about this morning is iron sharpens iron. This is not an iron. This is an iron spear. They just threw at you to hurt. I mean, for whatever reason, said something very harsh. Um, uh, I had I was working with a young man a few years ago, and um, we were just I was trying to show him some basic skills, basic mechanic, basic woodworking skills. So I showed him a ratchet. Started showing him, hey, this is how you, a ratchet works. Flip it, reverse it, lefty loosey, righty tighty. Took a skill saw out. Showed him, this is how you cut, plow. This is a straight line. This is how you, this line here, you look at it. Not that I'm an expert, but I can show him what I know. And I, I began to show him this stuff. And he goes, you know, he said, I think my dad wanted to show me this. But what would happen is he would get so frustrated with me and he would yell at me. And he said, at that point, I stopped learning and I just said, okay, what do I got to do to stop making you mad? What, what, okay, you, do, I'll just stand, okay, go, you do. And so many times I don't think, and in that case, I said, you know, I, I don't think your dad was trying to hurt. I think he was trying to get something done and you were slowing him down because he wanted to get something done instead of getting this project done, whatever it is. But it is stuck. It is stuck. And so it even goes on to say disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. Like it can really get stuck there. And the only way, first of all, when we talk about selfishness, we have to have surrender. Well, for bitterness, we have to have forgiveness. 
So selfishness is surrender. I give my life, Lord, it's yours. I surrender it all to you. Bitterness, we've got to have forgiveness. In other words, we've got to choose to forgive. Unforgiveness um, is is uh, a lot of analogies have been made of it. Um, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like setting yourself on fire and expecting them to burn. Like, I'm going to show you. <laughs> Oops. And so this is why it's important. And I'll be honest, what I have found in, in working with people and, and doing it for almost 30 years now, um, the other people, it doesn't affect. You can get so hurt and you can hang on to it so tight and the other people are, they're, they're not even, they're just moving on. It's like, how dare they? Don't they know what they've done? And it's like, no, usually it's not. Maybe they do, but it's really, it's up to us to choose. Say, Lord, I forgive because you forgave. That was in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those. Number three. Number three, one of the blockages is rejection. Rejection usually comes in the form of words. And it's, it's, it's really harsh words. And so what happens is, <clears throat> when, uh, when we're rejected, we get this feeling like we're unloved and nobody wants me. We know the old song, the old saying, you know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. <laughs> I don't know why worms came in, I guess I'll go eat worms. <laughs> and it goes on. And, and so, it's one of those things that, if we allow rejection, people can walk with a spirit of them all over them. No matter where they go, they never fit in. They walk in with a feeling that nobody likes me. You don't like me. You can, you can try to be as friendly as you want, and they're still like, mm-hmm, yeah, you, you, you're just trying to say that. You, you don't really like me. And so it's a, it's a thing that happens that people say. It's kind of like... Um, uh, these words can be for good or for bad. It, it, we can use them for good or bad. That's what Proverbs 18.21, very familiar passage of Scripture to us, it says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Like I can speak life over people or I can speak death over people. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And so we are, first of all, if we allow the rejection to take place and we live in that and it lives in us, we'll continue to use words to hurt other people as well. We'll reject them. Whatever we do, I'm not going to let you get close. And if you do try to get close, I'll say things that kind of push you away instead of, hey, I'm trying to draw you in. I'm not trying to to hurt you. So this thing of rejection, um, I remember um, one of my coaches um, in in, uh, elementary school, actually, because elementary being... Now, it was parochial school. I went from kindergarten to eighth grade at the same school. Now, it's middle school. But in my middle school, one of my coaches, um, I remember as I was practicing, he didn't like the way I was dribbling the ball, and he made a statement that I dribbled like a girl. (laughs) And I said, really? I thought I dribbled nice. I thought it was good. I was like, Man, I've been watching. I can go past everybody. Does that matter? If I make them look bad or whatever. But he, he made a statement that I dribbled like a girl. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, I, I don't receive that. I don't dribble like a girl. I wouldn't. As a matter of fact, come on. Let's, 
this, this is what happened to me, and it wasn't right. It was a bad attitude. My thing was, why don't you come on out here, coach? Let me show you how I dribble. I will try to dribble around you. And it was a terrible attitude, but it stirred something up in me because I felt rejected, and I instantly going to go back at you. And that's what you'll know. If that spirit's on you, anytime somebody comes, it's usually the most one that will come right back at you. And I'm, I'm coming harder, and I'm coming with more force. And it, all it is, if somebody comes at you like that, just know, hey, I get it. You feel rejected. Hey, I'm not trying to, to hurt you. Um, we can also use our words. So if, if we look at selfishness, we got to have surrender. If we look at bitterness, we got to have forgiveness. Well, with rejection, we got to have words of life. We've got to have words of life. And this is where we get the opportunity to draw people in and speak life over them. Also in that school, I had a, uh, a Catholic nun, Sister Bridie, that made me love school again. Just over my name, like it's something as simple as it had never happened. I was not your most favorite student in school. I, back then, they did not have labels. <laughs> they didn't have terms such as ADD or ADHD or <laughs> any of those <laughs> terminology. And I just say nuns and priests were a good, especially nuns were a good cure for that. Um, but Sister Bridie, in my sixth grade, she had just come from Ireland, and um, she it her first reading of the names. You know, they call out your name, and you you have to say present, present, and then of course some would say here, some would say president. You know, you got to have fun. And I'll never get Sister Bridie is reading my name, and usually they just say the first and last name, Mark Linton, you know, whoever, and you just go on. Well, Sister Bridie took it upon herself, Mark Anthony, and I went, Mark, Ant- Mark Anthony? I was like, Mark Anthony? Who's Mark Anthony? Mark Anthony Linton. I was like, that's, that's me, I think? And then she kept going on, Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony. And she just, that's such a beautiful name. And I was like, really? It's really that beautiful of a name? I had never really thought of my name up until that point. It's just Mark, you know. Hey, there's Mark. Actually, Shrimp was my nickname. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mark Anthony sounds a lot better than Shrimp. And I was like, I'm Mark Anthony. And so it, it lit, I'm just saying, words of life can begin to cause people to come to life. And so when you see something that you can speak life into, we can use our words to bring life into people's lives. We get that power. It's in the power of the tongue. And I just want to challenge you that that's what we're really, uh, 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 God's called us to do. One of my motivational gifts from the Holy Spirit is motivation. Um, I'll never forget coaching boys softball. Um, we're over here at Ballard Ballpark, and I, I had the greatest time of my life doing that. I got to coach basketball and softball and got to do it for guys and girls. I'm coaching my son's team, and there's only, we're in a high school now, and there's only about three of them that ever played organized baseball or softball. We're playing softball, slow pitch. And so only a few of them have ever played, and so they didn't know a lot of how to do anything, like how to catch a fly ball like our outfield, you know. They didn't know the rule that you always take three steps back. You know, many of you may not know that, many of you do, but in 
in the outfield, you always take three steps back. You never run in because it's easier to run in on a ball than it is to run back. And so one of the coaches from uh, Brunswick High, we had the field over here, and they would use that for their JV. We'd get out of school at 3.30, and they would get over there about 4.30. So we had the field from 3.30 to 4.30. He'd get there early, and he'd watch me because I'd sit there with these guys who had never played. And I'd hit them, and they'd, it notorious, I'd, you know, you, we kept them going. You know, you'd hit it in the outfield notoriously as soon as it was hit. Every time, I'm like, and every time I'd ask him, hey, what'd you do? And he said, I ran in. I said, what should you have done? Run out. I was like, good, okay, let's keep going. Yeah, great. And so we would train them running the bases. And I'd train them that you round first. You don't just run like, okay, I'm going to, you look and you watch your coast. And if they're going like this, you round it and stop. And so they didn't know how to do that. I was like, they just run straight over the bag. I was like, Hey, what'd you do? I ran to first. No, you ran to first, but what were you supposed to do? This right here means round. Round it. You round it. So as I did this, this guy, I had no idea he was there. I, I did not pay attention. I'm, my back swim, I'm training young men how to play that did not know how to play. About two weeks of this went on, and he came up to me and said, I don't know how you do it. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, Man, them guys, I'm not going to use the word he used. He goes, but they're not good at all. <laughs> and I said, oh, I know that. <laughs> I said, but I can either speak to how they are or I can speak how I want them to be. And so I'm, I'm here to train them. I'm not here to. And he goes, man, I'd pull my hair out. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. It's okay. <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying helping them learn and speaking something to say, hey, we get that power to speak words of life over people instead of many people know in sports that I've heard people, I've worked with young men that have been hurt by their own dads. I worked with a young man that had been hurt so deeply by his own dad, almost to the point where he was going into an alternate lifestyle only because his dad told him from five years old that he ran like a girl. Five years old, he told him, you run like a girl. And he, he tried, this son tried, he finally, his son gave up sports completely. He, he was playing uh, baseball, football, and he finally said, I'm not playing. He went to the band. And then that made it even worse. Like, oh, the band, the band. <laughs> and this young man at 15 years old was so confused. And I had to, in talking with him, I got to say, do you, do you really think that's how God created you? And he looked at me and said, I really don't know. And I said, well, let's take a look. And, and through our conversation and talking, he said, when did you start even first thinking about that? He said, I know exactly. I was five years old. He said, I was, I was playing, not even literally, I was playing t-ball at five. And my daddy said, run, you run like a girl. And he just kept telling him that and yelling. And all his growing up, he said, and I know he was trying to motivate him, thinking that'll change the same way I dribble like a girl. But they use negative to try. We use our words to build life, and we say what we want to to encourage people. As a result, that young man found out as speaking life and going over the word of God that uh, he wasn't he, he that alternative lifestyle was not for him. The one that he did was the lifestyle Jesus has for him, and he rejected all that stuff. 
He rejected the rejection that had been spoken over him, and he chose the words of life. The fourth and, and final thing, blockage, there's many, but we're just going to go over these four tonight. The fourth thing, if, if selfishness doesn't do it, if bitterness doesn't do it, if rejection doesn't do it, the last one will be evil thoughts. And evil thoughts, this is one that comes through everything. These are ones that we've done. Like everything that we've taken in. Like we've got a hard drive right up here. And everything we've taken in through these eye gates and everything we take in through these ear gates, movies, music, um, language, whether we're sitting around talking, uh, no matter what, whatever we have coming in, these these develop into those evil thoughts. That's where they come out of. It comes from inside. Jesus even said that in Mark 7, 21 and 22. He said, for from within, out of people's hearts, the inside, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. These come from inside. And many times it can start early on when people, I like to put it this way, my brothers didn't teach me how to lie, but they taught me how to perfect it, okay? (laughs) They said, hey, now when this happens, this is what you do now. I already knew how to lie. That came natural. You know, when I did something, I was like, and mom asked me to do that, you go, oh, oh, I didn't do that. I already knew that, but they're the ones that said, no, 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 you got to keep it cool. You got to keep it cool when you do that. You'll be giving it away. And so, um, when we look at this thing of evil, it comes inside. Jesus went on in verse 23, 23, says, All these evil things come from within and defile a person. It's not coming from the out, it comes from within. So with that, with our evil thoughts, there's only one thing that, does, that helps us with our evil thoughts. We've got to have a cleansing. We've got to clean out. We've got to get rid of the stuff. And you, the, the best way to do that is we've got to have the Word of God and... and and we've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. I can't just go and say, I'll just think better. Anybody here? I mean, here we are, you know, the 12th day of January. You made some New Year's resolutions that you were going to do something, either go to the gym, you were going to eat certain things and not eat certain things, and you're going to do all these wonderful things only to find out in your own strength. <laughs> you may have already broke one or two of them, and, and it happens Um, Let me say, Ezekiel 36 says it best, 26 and 27. God said, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, said, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you, and I'll remove from you your heart of stone, this thing that doesn't have any feeling. It just, it bounces off. I'm cold. I'm callous. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to have it my way. All four things are operating in that heart. All four of those uh, those things, selfishness, uh, bitterness, uh, rejection, evil thoughts, they're operating. It makes our heart grow hard and stone. And God says, I'll take it out of you and give you a heart of flesh. And then he goes on and says, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's, in other words, I'm going to make it where you love to remember your yesterdays. See, many of us built a past we wanted to forget. Now, I believe with God's help, we can build a past we'd love to remember. Like, we can look back and go, wow, God, you were so good. Even in that terrible time, God, you were so good, and you drew me out, and you continually draw me to yourself. So I believe it can happen. And so, 
Here's three things we're going to do, and then we will, we're going to pray and um, uh, allow the Lord to do this. And I encourage you, these are three things that we need to do on a daily basis. Number one is we need to ask the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Like, there's things inside of us. Like, right now, many of us know stuff, just in the few things I've gone over. Um, there are things that came to your mind, but really, it's Lord, show me. And that's what David said in Psalms 139. His prayer was, search me, God. Hey, search me, God, and know my heart. In other words, Lord, you see everything. I can't hide anything from you. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Like David is acknowledging, I've got anxious thoughts. Like there's things that are not sitting right in me. And I know it's because I'm not right with you. There's some things that are either I do have, you know, selfishness. Maybe I'm acting in my own best interest instead of anybody else's. Maybe I'm somebody has, I've got bitterness towards what somebody did or said to me. I've got rejection in the spirit on me. Or I have these evil thoughts that continually bombard my mind. He's saying, but Lord, you can do that. You search my heart, test, see my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any offensive way in me. And then what he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, don't keep, when you see it there, I don't want to stay there. And I don't want that to stay there. Lord, lead it out of me. Lord, lead me out of it and lead it out of me. That's uh, that's what David started. The second thing he prayed, and this is another one, after he shows you, then we got to invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Lord, change me. Lord, I don't want to stay the same. Like if there's something within me, and that's where selfishness tries to get its root and deep, Lord, I don't want that to be a part of my life. I don't want to hurt others. I want to help others. And so the beautiful thing about this is in um, the man that God used, that God called a man after his own heart. This isn't what somebody looked and saw and recognized it. In David, God said, this is a man after my own heart. This man that had committed adultery, this man that had had, had, a, had a, one of his captain of the guards killed, this was the man that God said he went after his heart. And it was because even if he blew it, he went straight after God. That's why Psalms 51, 10 through 11 says this. It's not if we blow it, it's Lord, what do we do when that happens? He said, create in me a pure heart. He realized, I can't create in me a pure heart, but God, you can. How does he do it? He says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. My spirit's weak, but Lord, your Holy Spirit within me, you renew that within me. And he said, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He realized, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Holy Spirit, I've got to have you. you. You're the one that changes me. Not me trying to just think better or feel better, me Lord, you change me. Start it in here. I don't want to just do religious activity. I don't want to just go through motions, do religious activity, and then somehow that makes it better. That doesn't do it. It's, Lord, you do the work in here. And then finally, number three is invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. So we invite him to show me. We invite him to change me. And then it's a continual, not a one-time thing. I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, I need him more every Every day, every, every day. And the more that, that comes at me, the more I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. This, this is what you call, Lord. This is you. I need you. 
And Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or loose living or just, hey, I, I don't have to worry. I'm just my... I'm going to allow my flesh to take over whatever it wants to do. And that's what, if we don't allow, this is why this time of prayer and fasting is so important. This is why it's important to pick something. If you haven't participated, I do encourage you at some point, might be just for a day or for a couple of days, this is a great time to say, Lord, I'm separating myself unto you. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm denying myself, this flesh, what it wants, just so I can have you, Lord. I'm saying, you, you're more important and it said, instead of allowing that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, the, and that's, the beauty of that is, we're not asking God to do anything He doesn't absolutely love and want to do. Like, He loves to fill us. Like, it's a, it's a thing. Matter of fact, He fills us so that we then have the power and strength to do the work that He's called us to do. It's not me trying to do His work His way. It's me yielding to Him, allowing Him to fill me, and then it's out of that relationship that it comes, that, Lord, You're able to do far more than I can think and ask and see. And so this feeling has to, it's a continual feeling, not like F-E-E-L, but F-I-L-L, a feeling that He wants to do in us. And so tonight, you know, I thought... Um, what a beautiful time we could take just for a minute to take and say, Lord, is there anything? I know we're in prayer and fasting, and I hope you've been doing this every day, and I know I have, and, and I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it, it's, it's one of my things I love and hate at the same time, because <laughs> I realize during this time how much my flesh has taken control. Um. And, and maybe you've experienced that as well. Um, things you don't like all of a sudden become very pronounced. Things you do like all of a sudden become very pronounced. Like I really start trying, it tries to distract me from what he wants. And I thought, what a beautiful thing to take just a few minutes to say, Lord, is there anything in me? Lord, Lord, show me. Lord, change me and Lord, fill me. Is there anything that you see that displeases you? Is there any, any, and it said any way, any, like a direction, a, a thought, a process. Is there something in here that's, that's contrary to the way you operate, the, to who you are? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm going to ask for just a minute, if you can, you can close your Bibles and close everything and take just a minute and sit. And I want us to take just a few moments tonight. We're going to be meeting tomorrow morning at 7 here in the sanctuary. And I know many of you do this at home. But I want us to corporately say, Lord, is there anything? Anything you're seeing? And when He shows you, and He probably already has showed you some stuff, it's not your job to try to make it better. It's not your job to, to try to excuse it away. It's your job to let Him take it away. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank You right now that as we stand here in Your presence, You said in Your Word, You said, where two or more are gathered. Jesus, You said, where two or more are gathered in Your name. 
you'd be right here in our midst in a very special way. And so, Lord, we are standing here in your presence. And we want you to have your way and your will in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've drawn us to yourself. And Lord, you're faithful to show us. And Lord, you're the, you're the change agent. Holy Spirit, you not only show us, but then you change us. You change our hearts. And then, Lord, you fill us so that we can walk and accomplish all the things you have for us. Walk in the way that you designed us to when we were first created, Lord. That, Lord, we can accomplish all your will according to your way, according to how you want it done. Jesus, I thank you that you did for me, you did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You gave us your life so it resides on the inside of us. And then not only your life, but you gave us your very spirit, the very spirit that raised you from the dead, the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit. We welcome your comfort. We welcome your guidance. We welcome your conviction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. We welcome your control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to bless you. You don't have to stand up. You can stay seated where you are. I want to, you're welcome to stay here if you'd like and linger a little longer. That's up to you. Patrick will play something. It'll, he's on. So we'll be here as long as you like. But I just want to bless you. Father God, you're the creator of the universe. You're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen.